we are going to jump into our next section of the book of First John that we have been going through. And, and before we get into First John, like I don't know if anybody's ever heard the phrase before, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Like I, I've heard that, that phrase you know, several times, and, and it, I, I'll, I'll be honest, it's not, a, it's not a true statement that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Um, like I could be fully convinced, I could fully believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could dunk a basketball. And you're laughing, <laughs> whatever, people. I, you guys are trying to get me in the dunk tank, and now you're laughing, whatever. I, but I, <laughs> but like I, I could, I could stretch. I could watch every Michael Jordan slam dunk contest video. You know, like I could buy the best shoes. I could even get a ball that was smaller than regulation, so I could palm it to make it easier for me. And, and literally, as convinced as I might be, as hard as I might try, there's absolutely no way that I'm ever going to be able to dunk a basketball, no matter how sincere my belief is. Like, just because you believe something, just because you're sincere about it, that belief does not necessarily make it true. And that's one of the things that John explores in this next section of his letter that he was writing to the churches in Asia Minor, that what we believe matters, because not everything that is spiritual is good. And, and John's going to unpack that a little bit. He, 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 he's going to say that not every, not every teaching, not everything that we, that we know, that we observe, that we hear comes from God. In fact, John uses that phrase from God six times in just six short verses. That not every teaching comes from God and, and that they can actually come from different spirits that, that we have to kind of distinguish. All right, what's true and what's not? And admittedly, that can be a difficult task. And so with that, I want to open up to 1 John chapter 4 and read the first six verses there. And this is what John says. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the, of the Antichrist, which you, have, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, if you recall, I, I, one, of the, one of the chief reasons that John wrote this letter in the first place was that he was trying to combat some of the false teachings of a group called the Gnostics that had started to infiltrate some of these early churches. And, and he's encouraging the, the, the followers of Christ, the, this early church, to be discerning about the different teachings that they received, that they had to be discerning about it. Let, let me read verse 1 again. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Like John explicitly says, hey, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Just because somebody claims to represent Jesus does not mean that you should just blindly listen, blindly follow what they have to say. Like we need to be discerning. Just because 
somebody carries the, the title of pastor does not mean that you should take everything that, that I have to say as gospel truth. Like John, John would say that if he was standing here before you today. Like I, I, th I think John would say that about himself. All right, don't just take my word for it just because I, I, just because I claim to be a follower of Jesus, but evaluate it, test it, discern if what I'm saying is true. Because John would say, all right, there are definitely people out there who have wrong motives, people who maybe who want to be liked so much that they're willing to tell people just what they want to hear. I say, watch out. People, there's people who are being deliberately deceptive and leading people astray. There, there are people who are speaking ignorantly. They're not attempting to deceive, but they're just sharing things that are false nonetheless, not, not out of ill intent, but just because they're, they're ignorant, because they don't know better. And, and, and this idea of false teachers and, and being careful about who we listen to is, is warned about often in Scripture. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes, now, this, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by, the, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Jesus talks about being careful about false teachers. In Matthew 7, 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, are ravenous wolves. And, and, and this is just a small sampling of, of the passages that are in there about the warnings about false, te false teachers. I could have given way, way more than this. And so, like, that, that kind of prompts the question, all right, why is this such a big deal? Like, wh why was this something that was hit on so often, especially in the New Testament? What, this idea of false teachers being not just the focus of John's letter, but of so many different writings. Why is it so important that we guard ourselves from these false teachers? Paul warns of it. John warns of it. Peter warns of it. Jesus warned of this. And, and so, like, just by the sheer volume of the text that's devoted to this subject of false teachers, like, we have to conclude that this is of significant value. But why? Like in, in, in the newspaper industry, there, there's a term that, that's called column inches, which, which essentially says, all right, how much space are we devoting to this particular story or this particular topic? And, and so like, why are there so many column inches devoted and dedicated to this idea of false prophets? And, and so, well, for, for starters, these er, early church fathers who they were writing to, they didn't have this. They didn't have the Bible like we have today. These, these early churches, these early church believers, like they had the Old Testament if, if, they, were, if they were Jewish believers, but they didn't, they didn't have the scriptures like we have today. And so the, this new faith that was the one that was taught by this Jewish rabbi that seemed to kind of upend many of the, the Old Testament traditions and laws, like th there was no manual. There wasn't a guidebook. There were no instructions about what does it mean to live out our faith? What are the things that we ought to believe? There, there was nothing like that. This was brand new. 
And so because of this, there were people, whether willfully or ignorantly, that they were teaching things that were not in line with the teachings of Jesus. Some people, some of them, taught and they figured, all right, I I can use this platform to to control and to manipulate these new believers. I I can get them to do what I want by teaching them certain things. Like it, it gave some of these teachers a sense of power and authority. And unfortunately, in some circles Today, that, in some churches, that's still true even now. That people will use their platform and their title in order to try to, to, to manipulate and control others. And, and because the early church had no holy book to use as the, as the barometer and the guide for what it was sound doctrine and what wasn't, some people just began teaching their own opinions teaching their, their own thoughts, and, and presented it as, all right, this is the gospel truth. There, there was one such group, and I've, I've talked about them in a previous series. There was one such group called the, the Judaizers, and, and they began to infect one of the early churches in, in Galatia, another church in modern-day Turkey that Paul had planted. And, and the Judaizers, they, they were teaching that in order to become a follower of Jesus, Gentiles first had to become Jewish in order to be a follower of Jesus. And, and so that, that meant that the sign of being Jewish for, for men was, all right, you have to be circumcised. I mean, it would kind of like be giving an, an altar call here at the church and, and saying, all right, if you want to give your life to Christ, come on up front. <laughs> you know, like, and, and obviously there's not going to be many takers for that. And, and, and Paul, like, he was so disgusted with this heresy. He was so disgusted with this teaching that you, that you have to first be circumcised in order to be a Christian that, that he actually says one of the funniest lines in the entire Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12. He says, as for those agitators, those Judaizers, those, those that say you need to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Jesus, he says, I wish they would go the whole way and just emasculate themselves. I mean, that's funny. Come on. Like, <laughs> you say, all right, yeah, yeah, never mind. Use your imagination. But, but like, that, that's how serious Paul took this idea of, all right, I need to combat these false teachers to, to the point he was willing to say something like that. Like, that, that, that he, Paul was so convinced, all right, nothing needs to be added to your faith in order for you to be saved. It's not by anything that we do whatsoever. It's purely by the grace of God and our faith in him. And so this idea of of false teachers and false prophets and false teaching, it was a big deal in the church, especially because the church was just in its infancy at that that time. And that if they didn't deal with some of those those false teachings right then and there, it was going to have enormous consequences later on down the road. I heard somebody share one time that if a plane was leaving from JFK Airport and flying to LAX and they were just one degree off when they, when they left, by the time they would approach Los Angeles, they would be 40 miles off course because you were just one degree off when you, when you left. And, and it's that same principle here where we're saying, all right, if, if we don't fix and correct some of this now, 2,000 years down the road, how far off is the church going to be? And so, like, we need to, we need to deal with this. We need, we need to nip it in the bud right now. And so, coming back to what John was writing in verse 1, he says, all right, we ought to test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. Like, we, we, we ought to test 
Not just take whatever we're told for granted, but, all right, is this really true? Is this really from God or is it not? And, it, and it's, one of, it's one thing to know that we ought to be wary and careful when it comes to false teachers, but it's something else when we have to think, all right, how do we identify it? Like, because that, that, that's, that's where it really gets difficult. Like, I think every, everybody would agree, oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to just take something that was said to me or something that was taught to me and just, you know, swallow it hook, line, and sinker, no questions asked. I think we all know, yeah, we ought to be discerning and questioning, but, but how, how do we do it then? How do we do what John said by testing the spirits? How do, how do we know that what we're being taught or what we hear, what we read is not true, and how do we know if it is? What, is, what does John mean when he says to test the spirits? Well, he goes on to say in, in verse 2, one of the ways that we can identify those that are from God and those that are not. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Like he he kind of says, all right, like <laughs> this is probably the easiest test you can do. If somebody denies Christ, they're not from God. Okay, well, <laughs> that, 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 that kind of makes that aspect easier a little easier, but there's a whole lot of gray areas in between. There's a whole lot of gray areas in, in between. And, and I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago about Augustine's, Augustine's quote where he says, in essentials, unity, like there's some things we're not going to compromise on. In essentials, unity, we're going we're to fight for those. We, we won't bend, we won't compromise. In non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, charity. And, and so like John is saying, all right, Jesus being the son of God coming in the flesh, that's an essential. That, that's a non-negotiable right there. We're, we're not going to bend on that. I, I, I have an, an idea of something I'd like to share a series in the future. So I, and I, I have a working title of it just called like five hills worth dying on. And this idea of like, all right, what are some of those essentials? What are some of those essentials of the faith that we're not going to compromise on? All right, so if somebody, if somebody denies Christ, that's a dead giveaway for us. Absolutely. But when you think about it, like the, the early church, many, if not most of them, they couldn't read. They didn't have the Bible like we have today to kind of be the basis by which to evaluate, all right, What's of God and what's not? Is, is this really true? Is what I'm being told true? Like, can I compare it to something or not? And that was true of most uh, of church history up until 1436 when Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press. The, the Bible as a compiled document was out of the reach of most people. That they, they just didn't have access to it. And, and so, like, thankfully, thankfully for us now, we have, you know, the Bible, the most printed, the most sold easily accessible book, document in the entire world. We have physical copy, copies, we have digital copies. Like, you can go online and you can read Scripture in, in virtually any version you could possibly want. Like, we, can, there, we have access to scholarship and research, and uh, like we, we can read the, what the original Greek and Hebrew was and, and all of that. And, and sometimes it can actually almost feel like it's too much information. It can feel overwhelming at times, but at the same time, it's a blessing as well that we today have greater access and ability to discern the spirits as, as John kind of talked about, of discerning what was true teaching and what's false teaching 
than at any other time in history. So, I mean, that's a blessing for us today, that, that, that when we hear something, when we read something, we, we have access, we have the ability to, to kind of check that. All right, is that, tr- is that really true? Is what Pat said right then, is that true, or is he just completely off his rocker? And, and, and so in, in writing to his young protege, Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so part, part of how we can know what's true and what's sound doctrine and sound teaching is by knowing the scriptures ourselves. That, that, that's what Paul is kind of saying to Timothy here. He's saying, all right, like, you know what, what the sacred writings say. You know what the scriptures say. And so part of how we can guard ourselves against being led astray about, uh, uh, from, from believing in, in wrong teaching, wrong doctrine, wrong theology, is by knowing the word of God ourselves, being what Paul's called being acquainted with the sacred writings that we might become wise for salvation. I, I, I may have shared this before, but the, the secret service actually does more than just guard the president and guard other dignitaries, one of the things they do is they investigate currency counterfeiting. And the way their agents are, are trained to identify counterfeits is by knowing and studying the real thing so well that if they see a counterfeit, if they see something that, that's, that's, that's fake, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb because they know what the real thing looks like so well. And I think that same principle applies for us here, that when we know the real thing, when we know it for ourselves, when we've studied it, it makes it easier. Not, not easy, but it makes it easier for us to identify when something we're being told is false. Now, there's not a, a foolproof method to this by any, by any means, and, and I'm going to throw a gigantic wrench into that right here as well, just to kind of make things a little bit more complicated for us, too. You're welcome. Um, like, as, as your pastor, I, like, I want to confess to you that there are things that I believe that are wrong and incorrect. They just are. Like, I, I'm quite certain there are things that I've stood up here in this very spot and that I've taught that have been wrong and incorrect. Not, not maliciously, not done on purpose, but because I'm a flawed person. Like, there are things that I think I understand that I'm quite certain God is probably scratching his head and saying, like, how in the world did you arrive there? Like, when, when, I, was, when I was new in ministry, I remember teaching on the fruits of the Spirit and, and teaching that, all right, we need to go out and we need to try to be loving. And we need to try to be joyful and patient and kind and, and peaceful. Like, we, we need to endeavor to go out and do those things. Because that, that's kind of, that's like the evidence of us being filled with, with God's spirit, of Christ living in us. And looking back, I say, all right, my intention was right there, but my method was actually flawed in that. 
fruit grows naturally. It's not something we have to go out and, attack and try to do. It's not, it's not something that we have to go and try to make happen. But when the Spirit is alive within us, those fruits are going to naturally occur. And so when I taught that, I, I, was, I was teaching it in error. Not on purpose, but it was just because, all right, I, I, was, I was ignorant. There, were, there, was, there was things that God was, was growing and changing and revealing to me that now, later on, I can recognize, all right, that wasn't, that wasn't an accurate representation. It was a mistake. It was an error that I made. But, but I'm also not going to let you off the hook either because I'm going to call you out as well. Because there are things that you believe that are wrong and incorrect too. There's times that maybe you taught or maybe you'd given advice or shared a thought or an opinion that was completely wrong and incorrect. Again, because you're fallen also. Like our, our, our finite minds trying to comprehend and understand an infinite God, like we're going to mess it up. Mistakes are going to happen. We're not going to get it right. Like we attempt to do everything we can to minimize that, to correct it when, when God shows us, when God reveals something to us, when we grow in that. Like we, we don't ever try to maliciously, we, we need to do our due diligence. But it is going to happen. Now that doesn't make me a false teacher. It doesn't make you a false teacher just because we may have taught things or believed things that we were in error on. But what it does mean, excuse me, let me, let me say it this way, nor does it mean that when we have different theological or doctrinal stances than someone else, that it means that they're, they're a false teacher as well. Just because we arrive at a different doctrinal conclusion or a different theological conclusion. Like, take for example, like the idea of, of eternal security, that once you're saved, there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. There are some people firmly believe that. There are also some people that believe all right, it is possible to walk away from God and to lose our salvation. There are some who, who firmly believe in, in a complementarian view of gender, that God has created distinct and complementary roles for both men and women in, in the home and in the church. Women can't serve as elders or as pastors. And there are some who hold to an egalitarian point of view. That, that, that offices in the church and at home are available to both men and women. And, like, and, I, and I could go on and on. Like there, there's no end to different doctrinal issues that, that well-meaning people land on both sides on. And that both sides can point to, point to the text and point to passages that back up why they believe what they believe. And again, that doesn't make them false teachers either. It just means that we've arrived at different conclusions on some gray areas in Scripture. You say, all right, so, so what? Like, what do we do with that then? Like, what, what, what do we do with that? Because I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it just makes things really messy and really complicated. What do we, what do, we do with it? I, I think one thing I, I would kind of caution all of us is that the term false prophet or false teacher or heretic is something that we should be extremely cautious on when in using that term. It's something that, that we ought to watch out for. We, we ought to check what we're being taught. 
We, we shouldn't just blindly accept what we hear, what we read, just because somebody has a title or a position or a platform. And if the error, error is something that needs to be confronted, we ought to do it in the manner prescribed by Jesus in Matthew 18, that, all right, we go and talk to that person. If they don't listen to you, take, and I'm totally paraphrasing this, take somebody else and you go talk with them. And if you're still in conflict on this issue, well, then just don't give them a voice in your life. But it's always done in a spirit of love and a heart of love. And so like, like many things, there's not just like a clear cut, all right, this is who is a false teacher and this is not. John, John says, all right, if you deny Christ, you're automatically in the false teacher category. Like that's, that's it. But there's an awful lot of gray areas too. And, and so we have, to, we have to be careful. We have to be discerning. We, we have to do our due diligence. We have to, we have to understand. But I, but I also want to close with, with, a, with a, thought, a final thought on this as well when, and when it comes to false teachers, false teaching, false doctrine. And I mentioned this on, on Wednesday night, if you were here, like our, where, where I mentioned that our world now today, we have access to more information than could have ever been imagined just a couple years back. That I, I read recently that in 1900, human knowledge doubled, the, the total accumulation of human knowledge doubled about once every 100 years. And then 1945, human knowledge began to double about every 25 years. And today it's estimated that the total accumulation of human knowledge doubles about every 11 months. I mean, that's unbelievably fast, what's going on. And, and we are just, like, we are constantly bombarded just with, with the sheer volume of information every single day on our phones, and, and you know, and media, TV, I mean, you name it, like we are just constantly bombarded with information. And so with all that, like we have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant about what we're intaking. And, and, and so like while I hate the term fake news, it's true. Like we, we also have to be careful that, that, that we, because it, we can easily get sucked into conspiracy theories down obscure rabbit holes, believing things that are outside a, of, of historical orthodox beliefs. And, and so we, we can do what, what John says. We can test the spirits. We look at the fruit. We examine what's being said. We compare it to what the Word of God tells us. And, but one of the things that I think is so vital for us, too, and this is so important, is that we need to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance to discern what's true and correct and what's false. Jesus said in John 16, verse 13, he says, but when he, when the spirit of truth, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Like that, that is one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is that he's going to guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so I think that's a practice that, that we ought to be incorporating into our lives every single day. Inviting the Holy Spirit in. Saying, all right, when, when, when I'm getting ready to read something, when I'm getting ready to read scripture, when, when I'm getting ready to, to come to church and hear Pat talk, 
whoever it might be speaking. All right, Holy Spirit, will you guide me? Will you help me to, to discern and distinguish what is true and what's not? What do I hold on to and what do I let go of? Lead me into your truth. Because that's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit's, one of his jobs is, is he's going to lead us into all truth. And so there's not a, there's not a, a one size fits all. Well, if you just follow this formula, formula you do these things, well, then we're going to be able to identify, all right, who, who, who are the real teachers? Who are the false ones? But it's a whole host of things. We, we, we pray and say, Holy Spirit, guide me. Help me to see. Help me to understand. Let me, let me examine the fruit. Let me compare it to what Jesus taught, what the Word of God has to say. Because at the end of the day, what we, none of us want to, to walk down a, a path where we're believing something that isn't true. We, we want to believe. We want to hold on. To that truth. And it's so important for us as we seek to pour that into those that are coming after us, to share that, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a small group leader, or whether you're just having one-on-one conversation, that we, we want to be guarded and careful about, all right, not just what am I intaking, but also what am I sharing as well. So allow me just to pray for us this morning as we close the, our message out this, today. Lord, I, I just want to thank you, God, for, God, your grace and your love and your goodness. Thank you, God, for the way that your Holy Spirit is at work and alive inside us, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. God, thank you for the way that you have set us up, Lord, right, right here, that, that we, have, we have access and, and we have uh, the ability to understand and to hear and to know more than that in any time in human history, God. And, and I pray that you would guard our hearts, Lord, against those that, that would seek to, to lead us astray. Lord, that you would guard our hearts to, from, from believing things that are, that are not true, whether, whether it be about Scripture, whether it just be in life in general, Lord, that, that we would be discerning. God, that you would give us your thoughts and your mind and, and your ideas. Lord, help us to, 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 to test the spirits, as John said to know what, what is coming from you and what's not, that we, that we would know what do we hold on to and what can we let go of. Lord, that, that as we then take what we know and that we share that with others, Lord, that we would be guarded, we would be careful too, just about what it is that you've placed in our hearts, Lord, that, that, that the Holy Spirit would guide our, our words and our conversation. Lord, that we would be able to help other people grow in their walk and their faith too. So God, Use us, guard us, protect us, and help us, Lord, to live that out faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen.